For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning, or should I say the Champa Bay Lightning. Oh, I like that. I like what you did there. Going I saw that in your back feed. to back, winning second straight Stanley Cup championship. I'd venture to say Michael Holiday, brother from another, is winning a second straight day. We winning at Lightning winning. out here. Winning. We winning out here at the, not out here, out here. Yeah. At the American Century Championship in Lake Tahoe. Uh, Seeing and being seen among a who's who uh, of celebrities in the worlds of great sports time. and entertainment. It's an incredible it's a time. Great time. Great Where setup. Where have we been? Why, have, why is this our first time? Well, it's our first time, but we're going to make it a tradition. We've started it. We've started it. And you guys are along with us. You can say, yes, I was there when they did it for the first time. And they did their first in-person show and their second in-person show. And we already have stories to tell. Uh, we got some stories to tell here, stories, too. Uh, what happens in, I know it's Vegas, but what happens in the state of Nevada stays in the state of Nevada, right, Bert? Okay, good. Just well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, can't, I, I don't oh, know if I can promise man. that. Oh, I don't know man. if I can promise that. Yeah, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to weigh all the information. Yeah, still processing. Yeah. What we can promise you, though, is that uh, that tough act to follow that was yesterday's show uh, in which we interviewed – uh, Derek Carr, Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp. Um, missing anybody from yesterday? No, I think we got it. Yeah, I think that was it. But okay. we got some. We, we got some more. We wondered how we follow day two. How do we? How do we? You know, follow up that tough act. Well, uh, let's just say uh, we got some amazing guests lined up for you today. This is one of those like, hey, you see somebody, you grab them, they come kick, it, come sit down and kick it with you. You never know them. what's gonna. Some of them know. Yeah, some of them, every, I mean, you know, some of them, like yeah. some some people, like got a little bit of attitude they got balls out here. To hit. Got, wait a minute, they got hey, balls. hey man, like how you have an attitude out here? You know, you look at the scenery. Hit. You see the scenery. But you know who's always game. Don't get all uppity out here now. That you're in the sun. You know who's Lake always Tahoe? game. Who's always Who? game for conversation is one Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is now the quarterback of the Washington Football Team. So he's going to be the first guest you'll hear from. Uh, we also go hear from former Eagles coach. Doug Peterson, right. who was uh, quite transparent in terms of his transition to, as I mentioned, former coach. Yep. Justin Tucker, the New York Giants, formerly the New York Giants, two-time Super Bowl champion. Jerome Bettis, Hall of Fame running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. On Tuck, real quick, talk about winning at life. Yes. Justin Tuck. And last you'll, but certainly You'll understand least, what we mean when you listen to him. Last but certainly not least is one CeCe Sabathia, who's coming with the high heat. He's got a new book out. He's doing all kinds of amazing things, and he's more shredded than the Julian salad, man. Oh, that's right. I like mean, he give you solid eight innings right now if you ask him to. So Incredible. He yeah. looks great, and he sounds great because, he, as, as he told us, look, he is not, he's got nothing to hide. He's going yeah. to give it to you straight, no chaser. Yeah. And so that's what he did. That's what he did in person. That's what he's done in his book. So yesterday, great show for us. Uh, had a few things pop. I think today will be no different. Again, started with Ryan Fitzpatrick the new quarterback of the Washington football team. Y'all check him out. All right, Mike, you've mentioned many times how old we are. 
All right. So I'm going to give you an old. Oh, you are. I'm going to give you, you no, know, you're up there, though. You're getting up there, buddy. I've just been around. Uh, I'm going to give you an old man story uh, regarding Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it was 2003 at Yale, Harvard, <laughs> Yale. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a great game, star of the game. I interviewed you after the game, and, you know, you're great. You're fine. You're, you're nice to me. But you know what, Ryan? I got it. This, this, is, this stands out to me because this doesn't happen too often. I got a letter like two weeks later from your grandfather in Arizona, I think. Okay. And saying, hey, thank you for writing about my son. He's a great, he's a great guy. He's Look a great that. athlete. And he's going, he's going places. He's going places. He's going places. A lot of places, as it turned out. You had a lot I knew. Of, he I, knew. I, I've, been, I've been waiting to tell you that story, but I think uh, I remember. Is it, your grandfather lived in Phoenix at the time? Is that yep, what it was? Yeah, still does. Yeah, yeah still does. does. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so, so tell your grandfather, years thank, later, you. Or thank you. However many years 18. Later. 18 years later. Yeah. So tell, Gran, tell the grandpa, thank you for the letter. I will. I Handwritten. Will. Very nice. Of course it was. Class runs in the family. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> nine nine teams later too. So it's been it's been quite the ride since then. But I had a lot of luck versus Yale. We. I don't know, man. That was a great game. You guys ran them pretty good. Who was the back you got? You guys had a really a really good Clifton back. Clifton Dawson was his Thank name. You. Transferred from Northwestern. Ended up Clifton we were teammates Dawson. in Cincinnati for yes. a year. Um, two Harvard guys, teammates in the NFL, doesn't happen all that often. But yeah. he w- he was a good player. Yeah, you guys rolled him that day in the Yale Bowl. Yeah, it was good. We've uh, we've enjoyed covering you, uh, you know, watching you and, and interviewing you, or even just seeing uh, clips from you. So we know how you are with the outside world. But you mentioned those nine stops. No matter where you've gone, the locker room's never been a problem for you. It less, which we're kind of covering lessons in leadership this week. What's Ryan, other than just your outgoing personality, the wonderful beard, your sense of style, <laughs> what, what is it that allows you to grab hold of a team and get them behind you as a, as a quarterback, no matter what role you're serving on that team? Right. I, I think number one is you have to be yourself. You, you have to be genuine. If you're trying to be somebody you're not, guys see right through that. And unfortunately, that happens quite a bit where guys maybe are one way in the locker room and one way to the media. Hmm. Um, so I, I think being genuine – uh, and then working hard and them seeing you every day being the guy that's not just talking about it, but's in there putting in the work. And uh, for me, as my career has gone on, the experience factor and just trying to help guys gain confidence. You know, my career has been a roller coaster, but I never have lost my confidence. You know, that's something that that's why I'm still playing 17 years later. And that's one of the lessons that. I try to ooze confidence and hope it trickles down to those guys. And for some of those younger guys, it's important because you're always the best at every level. Then all of a sudden you get to the NFL and you're not the best guy on the team anymore. And those first few years for guys when they struggle are hard. you know. So just being there and understanding the importance of confidence and believing in yourself, that's, that's a big thing. Where did that come from? I mean, we went down memory lane and talked about your grandfather. Like, how early was that instilled in you? Were you just born with it and don't know where it came from? But when did you start to just have this undying belief in yourself? I think I think you're born with it a little bit. I also think the work that you put in. I mean, I gain confidence through you know all the work, whether it's the workouts or the throwing or in the film room, uh, that kind of stuff and that experience and going out and having some success. Uh, you know, and seeing that hard work pay off, I think you just gain more and more confidence as you go. I was bragging to the staff earlier about how I know how to pack quickly and just get, and go to the next stop, but I got nothing on you. I mean, <laughs> how do you how do you uh, adjust like that? And what's it like at home, especially where 
you're going. You've had nine stops. What's that like? Well, so my family has come with me everywhere we've gone, uh, excluding Miami, and I just kind of commuted back and forth to Tampa when I went to Miami. But I talked to my wife after the season and said, I, I still love playing the game. I still want to play, you know, and if I have an opportunity, and she said, that's fine, but we're coming with you. And that's been a really key part of my journey as we've done the whole thing together. And so I've got seven kids that have been born in seven different states, and, you know, my son Brady who's caddying for me this week is now entering into high school but the amount of schools he's been to um, is insane and, and for me growing up I would grew up in the same town same school system knew the same kids his experience and his normal is a lot different than mine is but he's really thrived in it and it trickles down to the rest of our kids and it's been a lot of fun give us a roll call seven kids so like age range and like let's, let's, so let's hit that. so even if so they're all two years apart. So even if like, so Brady's 14. So once one turns the next year, I just make them all even or all odd to make it you know, easy for me. But yeah, 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, and 2. Uh, so wow. we have three boys and four girls. You guys done? You're not sure? If my wife is watching this, <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I, I can't convince her that eight is the number, but uh, right now it's seven, so we'll see. I, We're in a different state, I'm though. I'm trying to get so to four. You're trying to get to four? Yeah. I got some tips and techniques for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. So, you know, boy, I can't miss. I'm going to kill anybody else. Hey, I'm at three, and I'm staying. Okay, I'm staying at three. We're oh, staying there. We're staying. It's good. Three dudes. that got nothing. Yeah. Don't, don't say nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're sitting there like, what are we going like to do? We're making plans. <laughs> uh, but now life, uh, your career takes you to uh, – to D.C., um, what is it about uh, that roster, that organization, that coaching staff uh, that has impressed you the most in, in your in your short time there so far that you were like, oh, okay, I, I knew what I was getting into, but wait a minute, yeah, better than I thought. Well, I, I had heard a lot about Coach Rivera and just his leadership style, just kind of the way that he gains the respect of everybody, not just the players, the coaching staff, everybody in the building is at full attention at all times. And that has proven true. I mean, he, he has a presence about him. He's a guy that played at the highest level. Uh, you know, now he's been successful as a coach for a number of years. And you just, he exudes confidence like we were talking about. But you just, you, you respect him and you want to follow him. And I think that's really important as a guy that's a figurehead for an organization. Uh, second thing is just, I mean, I knew the team was young. But there's a lot of youthful energy oh, yeah. in that locker room. I mean, it it was it was so fun to be able to do OTAs this year, to be able to get together for some of the off-season workout stuff and just get to know the guys. Yeah. I mean, the X's and O's are one thing. I'll figure out how to call the play and you know where Terry's going to be on a on a route. But getting to know the guys a little bit and just starting that camaraderie. That's to me when I bounce from team to team, one of the most important things. And having the off-season this year. Uh, really helped with that getting getting to know you know Logan Thomas on a personal level uh, you know and all the different guys in the locker room but young team they make yeah. me feel old yeah. but uh, a lot of buzz about them you know like yeah. I, y'all like oh, there are so many y'all can't fly under the radar at this point because so many people are saying y'all are flying under the radar <laughs> right. you know what I mean it's like wait a minute it fits you know we know what he could do that defense it's scary you mentioned scary Terry I mean you got some yet. weapons. You know, some high expectations around this team. You feel that? Deami Brown? Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. And, you know, he's, he was an impressive guy in the offseason. Uh, but it, every year is such a crapshoot. I mean, yeah. there's expectations every year. You're either going to, you know, fall blow them or exceed them. But I think for us as a team, 
just understanding who we are and what we're trying to accomplish, getting everybody on the same page, pushing in the same direction, that's it. And my final question for you, man, any playbook ever mess you up a little bit? Like you've been, <laughs> like you've been through so many. Is there like a playbook you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, so my first year in the league, 2005, seventh-round pick, uh, 250th pick, I go to the St. Louis Rams. And Mike Martz is the head coach. And this is kind of the tail end of the greatest show on turf. And Mike's offense is very wordy. And he also loves to challenge the young guys and yell at them. And he kind of has a high-pitched voice when he's yelling. And so I'm in the huddle, and he would throw me in there and walkthroughs, And he'd give me the play, but he'd kind of whisper it and skip a few words. Then I'd get in the huddle, and I'm looking at you know Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Orlando Pace and Marshall Falk, and they all know how to say the plays. They've been in the offense forever. I can't spit it out. So then Mike Martz, Harvard, you went to Harvard? Get the hell out of here. You know, it was just, that was my whole rookie year. So I sat with note cards with my wife and just tried to memorize play calls. And since then, it's been a lot better, but that was a tough transition. Yeah, Mike, I went to Harvard. Where'd you go? <laughs> Can't say that. Just got to sit there and take it. Man, we appreciate you. Thanks Thank for, you stopping so much for stopping by. Uh, best of luck to you uh, this year in Washington. All right. Thank you guys very much. Thank I'll you. See you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. You know, Michael, it's not every day we get to do a show with somebody who has his own statue. Like, Doug Peterson has his own statue in Philadelphia. I'm so envious of that. <laughs> Doug Peterson, former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. What's going on, man? Well, thanks, guys, first of all, for having me out here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a statue, but, you know, it's the first time I got one, obviously, <laughs> a couple years ago. But, um, you know, it's just uh, it's exciting to be here, exciting to kind of relive those memories a little bit, you know, from, from Super Bowl 52 and, and uh, just enjoying the time. Gutsy call, though. 
gutsy call in that situation? Or did you did you think, all right, uh, in, in practice, hey, when we get in a situation like this, based on their alignment, we may do something. We may do the Philly special. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I knew going into that game we were going to have to do as much as we could. You know, we were going to have to score as many points as we had to, you know, to try to win that football game because you're, you're playing Tom Brady and, and, and the Patriots, and then they can score. And, you know, I never thought that that was going to be a fourth down call on the goal line in the Super Bowl. Um, we had it up two weeks ago, you know, or two, two weeks earlier against the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship game and didn't get a chance to use it. And so Frank Reich, my offensive coordinator, and I sat down and we said, hey, let's Let's keep it in for the Super Bowl, and if we have a chance to, to use it, we'll, we'll pull it out. And obviously, fourth and goal at the one, and we got to use it, and, and it worked. You know, I feel like somebody out here needs some life coaching. Maybe it's me, because I, I love to know how you balance looking back and, 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 and relishing the high points and the good times with how it ended, especially since it, you know, it's only, what, six months ago, especially given this time of year when it's about to be training camp. Like, what's that like for you? Because I've read a couple of interviews from you where you tried not to continue to relive the past, but right. it's still so recent. Right. And, you know, and it, it, human nature wants to take you back, right? And you want to relive, you know, obviously some of the negative moments and all that. But I, I've, I've been fully focused on all the positive the last five years in Philadelphia. Had a great time. What a great city. Great ownership, obviously. And, and a chance to win a world championship. And that, that was the goal. That's what Mr. Lurie hired me to do and come in and win championships. And and uh, we, we accomplished that. And so, you know, for me, it's, um, it, it is about moving forward. But, you know, human nature does want to want to take you back and, and think about some of the things. But you know what? It, it, it also teaches me uh, if I get an opportunity in the future to, to coach again, um, how I can take the positive and, and, and really learn from that, but, but also learn from from the negative side of it. How do you do that? Like, what is that daily process for you like to battle that human nature you you uh, you referenced? that wants to continue to rehash how it ended and what went wrong, but still wanting to keep a positive mindset moving forward. That's got to be – I imagine you're actively doing that. How are you I'm, doing? I'm doing it every day. Um, you know, not having – obviously being in a job right now, and, and, and I've got that, you know, 30,000-foot perspective, so to speak. I'm kind of looking down on a lot of things and, and with calmer eyes and, and just – you know, processing everything that, that all the decisions I made, you know, on and off the football field for the organization, uh, with the team, uh, with the staff, you know, with players, the whole thing. And and just really sort of almost journaling every day, you know, and, and taking notes, whether they're mental or actual writing things down and just, just putting another plan together, right? Putting putting what, what I learned from the last five years on paper and, and, and using that uh, in, in, in the next opportunity if, if that's the case. Is there, we talked about one of the most famous calls in Super Bowl history, Philly Special. Is there a call, whether it's personnel, game plan, you know, approach in the final game of a season? I don't know. Is there anything that you do look back on and it's tough for you not to think, man, I wish I could have that back. I wish I could do that differently. I mean, I, I do look back on, on some of the decisions in game and, and things like that, you know. Yeah. But you know what? I, 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 when I took the job in 2016, I went into it saying, you know what, I want to I want to have my thumbprint on this program. I want to have my sort of my my input and my philosophies and everything built into the Philadelphia Eagles for however long that was going to be. Um, and you also go into it with no regrets, mm-hmm. right? You can't just you can't dwell on the negative or, or go back and say, oh man, yeah, there, there's some calls. You know, there's a fourth down call here and there that you'd love to have back and maybe do something differently or, you know, uh, in the last couple of years, whatever. But no regrets and and that's been 
you know, sort of my philosophy even with the team. You know, even when we go into each week, you know, each Sunday game or Monday night, Thursday, whatever it is, guys, we're going to come out of this thing with no regrets. We're going to give everything we got for however long we can do it. And, and that's kind of been my, my mantra, so to speak. You know, Doug, when we're here, we, we find ourselves arguing about quarterbacks all like, the time. Like we know. All, like, <laughs> like all-time quarterbacks. We argue, argue about quarterbacks in the league. And I just want to ask you a specific question, and you can speak to the specific and the general. In, in your situation, you had you know, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. So uh, a starting quarterback, as you know, being a quarterback, you know that some guys just they handle competition in different ways. And it wasn't just Wentz and Hurts. Like recently, Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, right now, and Jordan Love. That's a big, that's a big deal. How do, you, how do you look at that position, and how do you look at creating competition for that, for that position, just like anyone else, any other position, without people feeling like, oh, this is personal. Oh, he's calling me out. One thing I learned about this business um, is nothing is ever personal. Uh, that's the first thing. And you know, I played in this game for a long time and, and obviously saw a lot of things. Nothing surprises me, but nothing's, nothing is ever personal. Um, and, and you're doing what you can for the football team, and you're trying to help the football team win games. I and mean, that's, that's what we're paid and why we're hired, right? Uh, so, you know, in that situation, you know, we're always looking to, and I'm always looking to improve every position. Quarterback is not exempt from, you know, the, the team. I mean, you're always trying to improve every position every year. And, and um, you know, Carson was our guy. You know, he always was. He, we drafted him to be the starter and be the, be the franchise of the, of the program, and, and he was. And... But at the same time, we had an opportunity to bring in Jalen, another alpha male, so to speak. Carson's the same way, but it it, it makes you better as a player. It, it and in in Carson's case, I mean, he was a tremendous leader, right? He he studied hard. He he works hard in practice before and after, and those are the th- same things that Jalen does. He's out there early, you know. He's out there late. Um, he's in the film room, and, but that's what you want, and that's where the competition is created. And and um, you know, obviously, our situation, you know, kind of took a turn for the worse during the season, and we, injuries started piling up, and different things happening, and and um, you know, it just ended up where we where we are today. How close were you to getting back in this in this cycle this off season? I was close. I had some opportunities, you know, not as a head coach, but but as a coordinator, and and. Um, you know, for me, it was just a matter of just really kind of clearing my head and, okay. and, and taking taking some time and just kind of taking a deep breath. It's been well over 30 years that I've had a break from from any kind of football, going all the way back to high school, college, and, and obviously playing my playing days in the NFL. So there were opportunities, but uh, just wasn't the right time. So what's that like at home? That, not, I, not, not, the routine is completely different. Yeah. You're, not, yeah. you're not in the grind. What's it like? My wife loves it. Oh, kids yeah? love okay. it. You know, of course, our kids. Because we've also heard the opposite, cool. where it's like, wait, can right. you go what back to work? Right. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 no, I, we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we may get there in another month or two, but, <laughs> right. you know, I start feeling the juices of training camp and stuff. But, you know, it's been, it's been good. You know, it's uh, it's a time to kind of reflect and, and kind of reconnect and kind of that, that honeymoon period again, yeah. you know. And, and uh, for her and I, it's been able to travel and do some different things and, um it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, what's yeah, the coolest thing you did this Lake Tahoe. year? Well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, this, this was yeah. always the coolest yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> training camp was coming to Lake I was going to say the thing that you ordinarily wouldn't have been able to do as a head coach or just being in the game for 30 years. Yeah, you know, you were able to do this year is like, oh, man, this is nice. This is how the other half lives. Yeah, that's right. You know, one of the things that um, obviously we're, we're, we're down in, in Jupiter, Florida, and, and uh, you know, having a chance to, to just – 
take a boat over to the Bahamas. It's 50 miles. You know, it, it just just the, the blue, serene, the cool waters, and go over there and and uh, spend a day or two and come back. Or, you know, later this year to be able to go out to Napa during the harvest. And, yeah. and we're, we we love wine and and a chance to just kind of watch them harvest the grapes and, and produce wine is, is something that's been a bucket list for us. So just l- small little things like that yeah. that normally you know uh, in the head coaching world you don't get a chance to do. This is just fascinating to me because I, I I wonder. Because I know I struggle with vacation. Obviously, I've never been a head coach, but I struggle with <laughs> going on vacation. Like, I can't flip it off. You can't turn the job off. So, I, I, can you turn it off, or do you find your mind, like, flashing back to football? I, Are you diagramming plays on dinner now? <laughs> like, you know. I, you know, I, right now, this time of year, because all the teams are kind of in their summer break right before camp, you have a chance to kind of flip the switch off just a little bit. Uh, but in here in a couple of weeks, the switch comes back on. And I know the switch is going to come back on yeah. at some point. It's hard to turn it off when you've done it for basically your whole life and yeah. you've been in football. So I, I know I will be probably drawing plays or I'm going to rewind the TV and go back and look at that play. Oh, that was a cool play yeah. you know, that somebody did, and, and uh, whether it's college or pro, and, and have a chance to do that. But, you know, it's hard to just kind of flip it completely off. Yeah. When you get back in there, what are you going to say to teams about your strengths? Because, you know, we, we, we go over, hey, how did it end? We already talked about that. But now looking forward, what do you say? Hey, this is what you're getting in, in Doug Peterson as your head coach. What, what's your strength? What are your strengths? I, I think the biggest thing is, is, is leadership and, and the fact that, you know, leadership through relationship and, and building relationships with players and coaches and, and then bridging that gap. And, and that's one of the things that, that I felt really good about coming out of Philadelphia with is, is having a strong bond with, with the organization, having a strong bond with the players because – when you can do that as a head coach and, and the players believe in you, they'll do anything for you. And, and the thing is, they want to be coached. And I think the other thing, the other strength that I have is having played in the game mm-hmm. you know, for so many years. So I understand the locker room and the dynamic of the locker room. And I think that's why you know, some of the things that we went through in Philadelphia, um, I was able to relate to with the players and, and, and really let them have a voice with the head coach and with, with the team. And, and I think that's so important in today's game that the, the players feel heard, you know, with all the things that are going on in our country right now. And, and, and I felt like that was a strength that I had, just knowing the dynamic of the locker room and understanding those guys down there and what they're going through. Well, listen, man, um, I, I'm not from Philly, but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you still probably wouldn't pay for a meal or beer in Philly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I think they That's still, been pretty good. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> pretty I, I think good. They, still, they still got you. You still want it in. That trophy, that statue, I think, is still there. That so statue yeah. is great. Should be around for a while. Did you? Yeah. Did they consult you before this statue? No, made? they did not. They so did here not. it is. Said, here you you go. have any issues with it? Does it, it look like you? I, it's a pretty good. It's, yeah. it's me and Nick Foles right there, and it's – it's a pretty good likeness, so, yeah, we'll leave yeah, it. Go you'll, with it. You'll always have it. Hey, Doug Peterson, thank you so much for taking the time. You're not even playing today. No. You came out here His to hit some balls and talk to Came over to talk to us. Yeah, yeah exactly you. right. Well, well, thank, you, yeah, thank you guys for having me out here. Yeah, you, you got the part. You got the glove. I look hey, like Doug, it, right? don't, don't buy it. Doug, don't as buy a, it. As a head coach, all right, so head coach with a I mean, playing you had, background. You had, shoes, you had the players that always dress good, but the performance couldn't match it. You got the vision as a head coach. You're like, this guy, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. It's not real. I can't. I can't rely on him on third down. (laughs) There you go. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Mike, we've had an incredible time here. We've been enjoyed. We've been joined by goats in football. Now we got a goat in baseball, the one and only CC Sabathia. Not only can he pitch, not only can he pitch like a number one starter, he's also an author <laughs> as well. So, CC, man, hey, good to see you. Hey, hey, good to see you. Set my game up. Hey, and and perhaps. A golfer, too? Uh, is that something you're going to add to your resume? Yeah, I'm trying to step into the golf world. I'm having a lot of fun being retired. So I think that's what retired athletes do is play golf, right? So that's why I'm here. <laughs> so this is your first time at this This event. is my first time here. Tell me how, how you got the hookup, the, the call. Did, did you seek it out? Did they call you? Like, how'd you end up here? No, I completely seek this out. This yeah. is something I've been watching for a long time, like since I was a kid, watching okay. this this uh, tournament. Obviously, Michael Jordan's played in it. You've seen all the, your, your heroes play in it. So, like, as an athlete, you, you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, but you got like you got to be able to play golf. You know what I'm saying? So, so you're ready now. Yeah. So now I just joined my country club last year. I got some clubs, and you know, I'm out here to try to fulfill my dream because this is bucket list for me. Who are you most looking forward to kicking it with out here? We're excited um, to talk to you. A lot of fans looking forward to seeing you. Who are you most? Looking it's a forward bunch to seeing? of guys. It's a bunch of people, but uh, the biggest was like Marcus Allen. I was a yeah? huge Raiders fan growing oh, up. Oh yeah. And like as soon as I saw him, I just went up to him and introduced myself. So. It's just cool to be able to see, like, some of the guys that you um, grew up watching. I mean, I was a big Greg Maddox fan, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz. So, to see those guys out here, too, is cool. That's actually, like, I get a kick out of that because it's like, you know, you guys are used to being the center of attention, having people, you know, want a picture, want a moment of your time, an autograph, having fans. What's it like to have a moment where you can be a fan? Because I imagine that doesn't happen too often to you. You know what? It happens to me a lot because I'm a a fan of sports. So, like – Anybody, it could be, you know, I watch a lot of sports, so it's, it's young kids, like, you know, the, Kuma, the kid Kumar Rocker at Vandy. Got a chance to meet him. I'm a big fan of his, okay. you know what I mean? So it happens to me a lot because I am a fan, so much a, a big fan of sports. Yeah. Man, I, I wanted to ask you this because I, I think back, and you can correct me on the details. I think one year when you got traded to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you carried them to the playoffs. I mean, like, your, your workload was off the charts, and I, I remember that run just how impressed I was by it. Man, you give them complete games. You give them everything they needed. <laughs> and I look at the game now, and I, I'm not trying to go old man baseball here, but sometimes, you know, a guy give you five innings, you're like, hey, you did your job. Like, how do you look at that now compared to, like, some of the stuff that you did? It's a completely different game. Um, you know, like you said, starters go five, six innings, and then that's a great job. Well, 
when I came up, five, six innings wasn't getting it done. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just different now where everybody's got a, a super bullpen. They got Everybody's got four or five guys in the bullpen that throw 99 to 100. Um, so it's the, the teams are built different where the starters don't need to go longer in the games. Is that a good thing? I don't think so. Um, I think the teams that always you see at the end of October that are winning the World Series are the teams that have two or three really good traditional starters that can go deep into the game that can win you some ball games. I just wonder how you you would have balanced that now. On one hand, physically, it helps you mm-hmm. because, all right, hey, CC, you're at 85 pitches. See you later. You're out of the game. <laughs> but then, you know, competitively, you're like, oh, I got some more to give. Yeah, no, this, this wouldn't have worked with me in my spirit. Do, no, it, I mean, nah. taking me out after 85 pitches or, like, some of the stuff that I see Blake Snell go through in the World Series game coming oh, out. Oh, man. Like, no, like, so, like, I'm blowing up soon. the whole let's, clubhouse. Let's, you know? let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. How did you, like, what were you thinking when you saw that happening? Now, in the in game six of yeah, the Yeah, I mean, World I, Series. When, it, when it happened, I was like, they lost the game. You know, it, it was going to take for somebody to do some something extra crazy for Tampa to beat the, the Dodgers last year in the World Series. And Blake Snell was on his way to do that. Both times, they took him out of the game. Pitchers are always under fire, but never more so than now, especially, you know, controversy around ball manipulation and, and illegal substances and checking guys mid-game. Like, mm-hmm. just what, 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 do you, what do you think when you see where the game is when it comes to pitchers and, and substances and manipulating the I retired balls? at the right time. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I just... You know, I think I think I feel like guys in the game want this to happen. You know, they want they don't want the pitchers to have the sticky stuff. Well, the sticky stuff that's helping guys with their spin rate and manipulating the ball and helping their curveballs. I think guys wanted to be a fair, even playing field, and this is the way that you have to do it. I mean, obviously, it's hard to to change a rule or check during the middle of the season, but it is what it is. And you've, we've seen the numbers kind of go up since you know since they've been checking. I mean. Would I want to get checked in the middle of a game in July when I'm sweating and I want the umpire to grab my glove and hat? No. Yeah. I mean, I would probably take. I would probably give him a show, but that's just me. Yeah. But but uh, you know, I, I think I think it's necessary right yeah, now. Yeah, some of the guys are doing that now too. They dropping yeah, the pants. I, 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 oh, I would like, be giving oh, him yeah. a show. Oh, you want to check? You want to check? What, what else? What else you want right. to see? I'll strip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it, just so people know, there was a. It, this has followed a, a kind of like a strange path because. I think everybody's okay. Hitters and pitchers are okay with getting a grip on the mm-hmm. ball because it's safer for the hitter if the pitcher knows where the ball is going. Where did it? Where did it go left? Like, yeah. where, where, do you remember that moment? Can you think of like how did it just get to this going too far? You know what's crazy is that we've all been trying to figure that out as baseball players. Like, where did this extra substance come from, or, or where did it go left to where it started affecting guys' spin rate and started affecting guys? you know, batting averages and, and really affecting the, you know, pace of, or, or the play on the field. Um, yeah, I have no idea because I was just traditional, you know, with whatever we could use. So I wasn't a part of this extra culture that's, you know, using this stuff that's, that's helping guys get better. So I have I honestly have no idea. Yeah, we were talking about just being a fan of the game, man. And, uh, you know, we're both older than you and, and, and grew up watching the game at a time when you know plenty of black baseball stars not just players but stars across the game and even just on the mound you know i i had doc gooden's card i had dave stewart's card you know what i mean so and i'm sure you were that hero for a lot of people growing up as a black pitcher I hope wa- so. people watching you play pitch <laughs> definitely, exactly definitely but i i say that to say so i saw some uh comments from you recently about the pressure on black players to play the game the white way and how it's not a game that is comfortable 
for black players. I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent your comments or, or I'd love for you to expound on that a little bit and what you mean by what it's like for black players in today's game and why it doesn't feel like our game. Yes, yeah, I think it's just so few and far between right now. And I think I feel like, you know, to be a, a black player in the game right now, you have to be one of the best. Like, you have to be an all-star. You can't be a 25th man on the roster, 26th man on the roster. can't be in the back of the bullpen. You have to either be closing the game, starting the games, or be an all-star. MLB does a great job of, of trying to, you know, pipeline kids in the inner city to, to organizations. And, and, you know, they, they do a good job of, you know, PDP and they have, um, you know, EDI and they have all these different programs. We just need to, sh- to shovel more kids through it. I thought when I was playing – that there weren't a lot of black kids playing baseball in the hood. But there are. Mm. Like, I'm on the circuit now with my son. We just got to get him more opportunities. Mm. There's a lot of kids playing. There's a lot of kids that love the game. But it's just it's up to us as this current generation, myself, Jimmy Rollins, whoever else, to start reaching out to these kids and start getting them a, a, a better pipeline to get to the Yeah, what's leagues. the disconnect? Where, 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 where does the pipeline break? The, the disconnect is where from, from Little League, where they go from the little field to the big field. And, and, and honestly, from – from 14 to getting them into high school is the hardest point. And kids now, they have, they have so many different opportunities. They get a full scholarship to play football. Get a school shot, full scholarship to play basketball. You cannot get a full scholarship to play baseball. And so a kid like me growing up in Vallejo, I played three sports. I would have had to pick football over baseball back then because my parents couldn't have made up that, that money if I was going to college to, to pay for that scholarship. Okay. So baseball wouldn't have been an option, and that's where a lot of these kids are sitting now. So just so I'm clear, it's not systemic at the MLB level where they, they're weeding out the black it's players. Not, they don't want not black at players. All. It's not it's at just, all. It's just mid, they, yeah. those it's, elite it's, guys. It's a disconnect. Okay. It's a disconnect, gotcha. and I feel like us as the Players Alliance, us as just this generation of players need to, to help out and step in and fill that void and, so, and start getting players to play more in high school. But what about what you were speaking to stylistically in terms of the white way, in, in terms of the way the game is played, whether it's conducive or welcoming or comfortable for the culture, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that could be tough. And, and yeah. obviously, you know, and if you got to read the book, but you can read the but book. Sure. And, oh, we get that. You know, I talk that. about different players that I played with over the years growing up that, you know, I know that were great players that had multiple all-stars and different things that didn't fit into different systems just because of the way they played the game. And it was because of, you know, they were black guys. You know, I don't want to – the, the, the cliche question for, for authors is, hey – you know why did you write the book? I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, if, generally, when people ask you that, CC, that means they ain't reading. <laughs> they they try, they're trying to get you. Like I ain't doing your homework for you. But let me ask you this: just like before you even started, but why did you write the book? No, 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 no. Before you started writing, though, before you started writing, what did you want to accomplish? What were you trying to uh, articulate and say? I gotta get this out or was it even that was it a, a conscious thing like that, that wasn't even a conscious thing um, to be honest i never re- i never really wanted to write the book um, well, you didn't want to write I, I didn't and you know chris smith approached me in 2016 about writing a book and i had just came out of rehab and i was like man i'm trying to figure out my career i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to to pitch i didn't know if i can be able to pitch without alcohol so mm. i didn't even know how my career was gonna go yeah so i was like it's too early i'm 36 years old and to be honest i was i had normalized my whole life i had normalized the drinking for three days take two off and then pitch or you know i thought everybody was missing family members or their parents had split up so everything that happened in my life I had just kind of thought well hey that's normal so I didn't think it would be interesting or, or fascinating for people to want to learn my story so for me I just it was just like hey you know let me tell my story and, and as we got in it 
you know, my father dealing with addiction and battling addiction and me thinking about, you know, me making a decision for my kids. I, I wrote the book for my kids hmm. so they can so they can know what I was thinking at this time. If they ever struggling or 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 dealing with something, um, they can go back and, and, and know my thoughts because I wish I, I could talk to my dad right now. Yeah. I wish I, I knew what he was thinking or, or was was struggling with or, you know, what he was thinking about at those times. So. Uh, hopefully these my kids can have this book and, and, and have that a piece of me forever. See, it's, it's, I'm so amazed by that because I think the, the instinct for a lot of people is to be the hero of their own stories. And so they never really make themselves vulnerable. Like it's that person you talk to and every story they end with. And then I kicked his ass. I'm like, right, <laughs> no, 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 they didn't go down like that. No, yeah. it didn't. Was it hard for you to just be honest and just tell that story was that was that difficult no it wasn't and and i'm i'm super honest like i'm super open so i'm always telling been, yeah. everybody everything you know what i mean and that's that's a problem of mine so i have no, i had no problem telling my story and when i was in rehab i read bob welch's book and it got me through it it helped me so i thought i thought like if i'm gonna write this book i need to write this book honestly and and tell everything so that it may help somebody that's in my situation bro let me tell you something that Please don't. I hope, I hope you were joking when you said that that's a problem because that is a gift and a calling because you guys are superhuman to the rest of us. And to for you to be vulnerable and share your humanity and your struggles, all fans are ever looking for is a way to connect with y'all. Because it's like we can never relate to throwing 99 miles an hour. But we can relate to... Well, you can't. You know, well, no, I'm saying we can't. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. Sorry, my kids. So, no, man, I, I, I just applaud your vulnerability and your transparency. And I, and I wonder just where are you on your journey? Your story is still being written your, your, day by day mm-hmm. when it comes to sobriety, when it comes to recovery. Like, where are you in that journey? Um, I just feel like I'm in a good spot. You know, um, I have great people around me that take care of me and... You know, nurture me and help me, and I don't really go to AA. I, I deal with a therapist one on one, and you know, I'm, I'm just in a good spot. Me and my wife are good, and that was always ever our problem is me drinking. So you know, once I was was sober, she was fine, and and everything has been good. So the the hardest part about addiction and dealing with it and and facing it is actually facing it and telling somebody that you need help. Yeah. The last six years of my life have been great. Everything leading up to that and me being scared to to let people know what I am and who I am and how I got to this place was the hardest part. But once I let it out, it's been great. How do you look back on all that you accomplished in spite of your struggles? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? How do you uh, contextualize, if that makes sense, your career, given what you were going through while you were pitching at such a high level? Yeah, I, I never, I've never really thought about it. Yeah. And, and, to, and for me, I always just think, like, I was just born to throw a baseball. Mm. Like that was that was this that was always going to be what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. It was it was always what how I was going to handle it off the field. It was always what I was going to be able to handle the pressure or deal with everything off the field. I was born to throw a baseball, mm. and that was just something I was born with that gift. And when did you know that? How- right away, right really? away. I mean, like I said, if you read the book again, it's like the book. No, <laughs> yeah. like seriously, yeah. when I was five six years old, my grand my grandmother had this big grapefruit tree in her backyard, yep. and I would get a folding chair. And I would grab the grapefruits off the tree, and I could throw the, the, the grapefruit through the back of the folding chair as hard as I could. Come on. At five, six years old. Hence the title so, of the documentary. Yeah, yeah. under the yeah. grapefruit tree. So yeah. that's how I knew. Like, I always knew I could just pitch. Yeah. I, could, I could throw the ball wherever I wanted from Jump Street. And I remember uh, a story a while ago, reading an article about you, and, and, and correct me on the details if I'm a little fuzzy on it, but I remember like, there was, I think maybe it was a Little League game, you gave up a home run, you sat on the mound, and your mom was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. man. 
what you going to do? You going to sit here and, and, and cry about it, or are you going to, uh, you know, jump up and do it? Is it did, did I get the story right? Yeah, so I was I was a bad, I guess, sportsmanship as a yeah. kid. So umpires, kids hitting home runs, anything, I was just literally cry on the mound, pull my hat down, and just start throwing the ball all over the place. So my mom would, like, sometimes she would deal with it, or sometimes she would, like, literally come out on the field and take <laughs> me off the mound. Yeah. Like, she did that a couple times. Mom where, coming on the field. Yeah, right? where she came on the field, got me out, like, call timeout. Like, no, nah, he's done. So, like, you know, dealing with that and, and you know, her being so hard on me and, and dealing with the with the with my not knowing how to lose um, was was a, was something I had to learn in the big leagues, too, had to deal with. Don't want to keep you too much longer. You, you know you got balls to hit. You got to come out here and show out first time. You've been waiting <laughs> a long time to do it. So I'll just I'll, – I'll, I'll leave you with this. Just want to kind of get a full assessment of where you are. You mentioned how things are great with your family, your kids – your journey. So you got the book mm-hmm. uh, till the end, mm-hmm. correct? Till the end. Till the end. Uh, we've seen a documentary on the grapefruit tree. Uh, you still doing the podcast? Yeah, Ruka, right? Ruka. R2C2. Yeah, R2C2. Uh, what are some of your other passions and outlets that are really driving you these days, uh, you know, post-career? Uh, I, I kind of really want to do a, a documentary about the Black Aces. Um, the 15 guys that won 20 games in the big leagues. I think that's an important story to tell. I love it. Um, and I, you know, so hopefully I can I can get that story out there and and uh, get those guys their flowers and their recognition um, that they deserve. That's phenomenal. By the storyteller, man. <laughs> storyteller. My dad's favorite player. Yeah, awesome. fantastic. <laughs> well, you a lot of people's favorite player. Like you know, we loved watching you, man. Love talking to you. Just love your journey and your story. And please keep telling it. A lot of people need to hear it. And it's helping a lot of people more than you know. Appreciate it, man. Right, thank you. Appreciate Good you, stuff. man. Enjoy. First time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Listen, man, this is a pleasure for me. I have known this brother, Justin Tuck, for a long time, since he was a player. It hasn't been that long ago. I don't want to make you feel old. I make you feel old. But every time I see Justin Tuck's name or think of Justin Tuck, he knows where I'm going with this. Still the greatest pregame speech I've ever had the pleasure of hearing. <laughs> have you ever seen Justin Tuck's pregame speech before Super Bowl 46? Yeah. When he tells his teammates, you don't know what it feel like? Go out, watch this on YouTube, and it will get you hype. How many of y'all want it today? I got a ring. Chris, you ain't got one. You don't know what it feel like. Rock, you ain't got one. You don't know what it feel like. Remember, you ain't got one. You don't know what it feel like. Boss, you ain't got one. You don't know what it feel like. I'm telling you right now, it's the best feeling in the world. And if it's on me today, you're going to have one after this. If it's on you today, you're going to have one after this. Hold it. Is it on you? The ring, is it on you? All day. All day. That's enough sand right there. And I don't care who they waiting on. This is our moment. Let's take it and run with it. Let's go. Five, go three. One, two, three. Five. Talk, 
you know, I don't know. Were you always a vocal leader or were you more of a by example guy? And in that moment, the spirit just led you to let sure. them know. You don't know what this feels like. You got to you got to win a ring to know what this feels like. You know what? Honestly, I've just been a chameleon, to be honest with you. And the reason why I say that is you got to know your team. And there are certain teams that didn't need those rah-rah speeches. And there was, you know, certain guys and certain teams where I felt like, you know, they they wasn't as ready to play until they had somebody you know yelling in their face and so on and so forth so it, it was just different years and different teams we had a younger team that year if you think about the d-line we had that year you had jpp you had level joseph you know those two was going to play a, a huge part of any success we were going to have and they were in their second year they had no clue what it felt like to be in a super bowl right and we had some older guys who had never been there too right so for me in that moment i'd given speeches like that all year but like that one stood out because it was the one that um I didn't think about it. I just came in and just looking at guys' faces and, and understanding that um, it's going to be something that we need to hear, what they need to hear. Yeah. I hate pregame speeches. For, <laughs> for right? real? Strahan used to give them, like, if you look at me, I'd be, I was standing right in the middle of the crowd just looking at him like, why? Stop. Stop talking. Stop it's just want to play, right? right? Yeah. just want to go. It's yeah. to play. And that's just how I was. Yeah. But you also got to realize, man, as a captain of a football team, everybody wasn't like that. Everyone, everyone had their different metrics to get ready for a football game. I've often wondered what the correlation, if any, is between pregame or halftime speeches, for that matter, and victory. Yeah. Because you never hear about the awesome pregame or halftime speech that happened when y'all lost. I had some pretty good pregame and halftime speeches that, uh, that worked, worked very, very well. And I had some that just completely flopped. Um, I mean, like, I, we, like I storm, that we storm out of the locker room <laughs> at the halftime and just <laughs> yeah, right. oh, we and, and, down. and kept getting punched. Boom, boom, boom. Like, Thanks, Tuck. Thank it's you. Just, so, first and ten. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so, yeah. What did, what, did, uh, what did the team need, if anything, before Super Bowl 42 going in against a team that was 18 and 0? I mean, Strahan was that was Strahan's team then. So it was the same thing though. He, he had his way of, and we had this whole mantra around stump, stomp him out. So we had to, do, he had to do that. He, we wouldn't allow him to get out of the huddle without doing it because we had, you know, we did it. Uh, the two games we needed to win to get in the playoffs on through. So we had did it like nine games in a row. It seemed like. Um, so he had to do that. But, like, again, that team had young guys like myself. I was in my third year. O.C. was on his fourth year. Um, you had Barry Cofield in his second year. Kiwanuka in his second. Like, we had a lot of young guys up front. And that's, and that's what, obviously, I focused on. But you know, I, don't, I don't think that team needed we, – we had a different mix of guys from Antonio Pierce, Kofika Mitchell, you know, Mad Dog Madison. We had a lot of vet guys that had, had just groomed us throughout the year. So, at that point – I didn't think it was needed, but he had to do it anyway, though. By the way, man, I think it was Cofield who may have had the hardest hit I've ever seen on time. You know what I'm talking about? Jay Call, I mean, um, it was, uh, was it? Jay Alford. Oh, is that? The oh, fourth yeah, quarter up the middle. Oh, yeah, my Alford. goodness. You remember this hit? Yeah. I don't. I got to Oh, yeah. man. Jay Alford. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> he stole my sack, too. Yeah, he stole your sack? Literally, as Jay hits Brady, I'm diving over the top of him. I didn't even see him. I saw, all I saw the corner of my eye, him getting, you know, Brady getting the smallest body. That was like one of those things like. I'm uh, mad at Jay about that. That's what I want to think from Marvel, Doctor Strange, when yeah. the ancient one like tapped him and oh, his right. spirit, Astro, oh, yeah, spirit Astro, oh, yeah. left oh, yeah. his body. No, no, yeah. no, I think I may have seen that happen with Tom yeah, Brady. Brady was completely off the ground. Like it was like you know like a like Wiley Coyote roll running. They swing that big log and it comes back and hit him and his legs and arms. Like, that's how Brady's body was. And that is quick math. Is that 14 years ago now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Thir- well, 13. How's dude still oh, playing? Yeah. How the hell is he still? God playing? bless him, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've stopped trying to figure that guy out. Um, I figured him out 
only two times, right. only two days of of, our, of my life, we figured him out. Outside right. of that, nah. I, listen, hats off to him. If 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 I was him, I would play until they told, they kick me out. Because um, he's he's definitely still top two, top three quarterback in the league. Man, like, you're the perfect person to ask this because you know we bicker like brothers. That's why the show is called Brother from Another. As a former Pro Bowl player, Super Bowl champion, like yeah, people have taken to calling Brady. I mean, some have called him the greatest athlete, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But even the greatest football player, I'm like, no, he's just played quarterback. Yeah. Because I struggle with saying that he's better at his job than Lawrence Taylor was at his or Aaron Donald or Deion Sanders or Jerry Rice. It's just I, I think the position – it's a glamour position, and he gets extra credit for that. That's not taking anything away from him. He may be the most accomplished player ever sure. with the rings and the numbers, but best, I don't know that he's so much better at his job than some of those other guys I named. How do you – I just personally have a problem with the, the whole GOAT narrative. Okay. Right? Because if you think about it from the perspective of Michael Jordan versus Kobe versus LeBron versus, you know, Lou Alcindor yep. versus Oscar, Ross, I mean, Oscar Robinson versus Will Chamberlain, they were the GOATs of their time in their sport. But that don't mean you're a goat of all time. Because think about what the differences in the sports were when right. you're playing, right? Think about if Larry Bird had a three-point shot in his whole career. His whole career right? Yeah. Think about, uh, you know, tiny ultra ball and just, like, the rules of how things. Mm. Like, they changed the rules because of Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Like, literally changed the rules. So you said it should be got like yeah. greatest of their time. Of their time. <laughs> like, that's and, like, why even, like, because no, no one, I don't care how smart you think you are, mm-hmm. no one can figure out if Jordan's run in the NBA was better than Wilt's run in the NBA. Or Bill, like, we always say, oh, you know, the measure of your greatness is your championships. Bill Russell, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, so, and then you also got to take into account what they had to deal with. Bill Russell in Boston in the 60s? Yeah. Right. Come on, man. Like, yeah. so... Obviously, that goes to any sport. But I do, I do say this. I, I do say this. I think um, for people in your space. I'm about to say, you're putting us out of yeah, business. You know what I'm saying? For people in your space, it's a great argument to have. Yeah. For me personally, getting to know some of these guys, a lot of these guys, honestly, don't really care. Huh. They just like to be they like to be mentioned, right? But, like, yeah. if you ask, I guarantee if you ask Tom Brady, he's the greatest athlete of all time. He's not going to say he's the greatest athlete of all time. He'll probably say he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to refute that because that's a specific position that he's yeah. played and has played better than, than you know, most, if not all. Yeah. Man, I don't know why we're messing around talking about sports. You want to talk about smart? We don't talk about smart. Hey, man, look. <laughs> a lot of people. Which I knew, by the way. A, a lot of, like, I could, I'm a scary judge of talent. Yeah. I got exposed to this dude when he was a player. And you said. Well, you, is, just, you just know when certain guys, they're going to be all right. Right. Like, so, I, just, I just knew he had a lot. He was going to do a lot after his, after his I, career. I, a lot of people would just be happy to play in the NFL. They play in the NFL, then that's it. They just, like, they're coasting. When did you know that, okay, the NFL is, is a. That's 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 part of my journey. Sure. That is not the sum total of it. When did you know that? Hey, I got I got much more to do after football. I was eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, I mean, like I had a cousin, a Dallas Thomas, um, big 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 AD, uh, and he used to come back because he's four years older than me. He used to come back in college. He went to Southern Miss, and I just asked him because I you know I knew I was kind of in the next line of people in our area to get you know get that exposure. And I was just asking, man, what is it like? He's like, man, that's a big headache, man. And then he's, when he said something to me when he got to the NFL, he was like, man, I kept asking all these questions. Like, man, NFL stands for not for long. Utilize the things that you have around the platform, that shield, 
to make sure that you carve out what you're going to do next. And I, I had that, that in my mind day one, walking in the, in the door of New York. So for me, for me, walking in New York City day one, being around the Michael Strahan's, the, you know, the Eli Mannings of the world, and everything that is available to me in, in New York City, man, I was constantly already thinking about what's next, right? So in all season, I wasn't going to Turks and Caicos. I was going to, you know, uh, 85 Broad to, to try to meet with some private equity owner, try to meet with some hedge fund principal, try to meet with some CEO of, you know, whatever company. And not to say, can I have a job? Just to sit down and have coffee and engage them on what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Right? Because think about it. I just won a Super Bowl, and you got these $100 million, billion-dollar guys, and I'm walking up to them and saying, I would like to learn what you do instead of talking about how great I am in football, which most guys would have done in that situation. So I built, you know, lasting relationships while I was hot. If I, if I tried to do that now, eh, I don't think it would have been, you know, as open. But, like, I literally got to walk in the doors of some of the biggest and baddest people in, in the business. And, 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 and I had those relationships to this day. You know who I heard speak that same wisdom recently was Magic Johnson. When he was a player, he asked Listen, bro, if you compare me to that guy. Because it was that same mentality. He was like, I'm looking at all these billionaires sitting courtside. To heaven's ears. You know, I'm looking at all these billionaires sitting courtside. He's like, Dr. Buss, give me these people's numbers. I want to have coffee with them. I want to have lunch with them. And that's how he became this mogul. So you've been at Goldman Sachs now. For four years in wealth management, yep, in the fourth year, fourth year. Yep. What uh, what else do you have going on? What what is your if you could much you could share sure. your portfolio? I got exposed to your philanthrop- philanthropic work with Rush for Literacy. Yeah, what else is in the Justin Tuck portfolio these days? I mean, it's a lot of philanthropic work, man. A lot of things that evolve around kids and education. That's what me and my wife are, are super passionate about. That's what we know got us the opportunities we got. And, you know, we met at Notre Dame. We both have degrees from Warden. She's going back and getting a master's now right. and a doctorate from from Rutgers. Like. That's that's our jam, man. Uh, because we just wait. I'm know. sorry. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all both. That's Wharton. Have that's Wharton School of Business. Degrees <laughs> from Wharton. Yeah, yeah. She's going back and getting her doctor doctorate from Rutgers. From yeah. Rutgers. So y'all like you? You got it's a, com- y'all, it's y'all a competition. Y'all about to say it's a competition. <laughs> I have an honorary doctor. She's going to go get a real oh doctor. Oh my so god! Like, so now, 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 you're gonna have to go. Those dinner table so conversations. Listen, I'm done with school for the night for the for the most part. And how old are your kids? I got an 11 year old son and an eight year old son. How do they handle the standard that their parents? It's high. Yeah. It's so high, and I don't. I don't think they handle it as well as I want to handle it right now. Okay. But also, that's you know, you got to kick it down from the perspective of he's an 11 year old kid. Everybody's telling him how great he is because he's a phenomenal soccer player, uh, phenomenal swimmer. He's getting in the game of golf, obviously nice. football. He's you know he's he's the best athlete in his area, right? But like for me as a dad. I'm always trying to tell him you got to work harder. Uh, yeah. you know, Kobe wouldn't be Kobe wouldn't care if he <laughs> right. had 40 points in the game. He would be saying like, "Why did I miss those two free throws? I yeah. should have had 42." Yeah. So that's the that's what I'm trying to instill in him. But not only in sports, in life, in in what he because we all know sports. I was blessed. I got to play 11 years and left the game on my own terms. We also have seen so many guys with that were uber talented, you know, injuries and whatever maybe didn't didn't get so lucky. So I've you know I've always kind of applied myself to to be or hope to be prepared for whatever it is next right and if it if it if it if whatever's next doesn't necessarily fit my wheelhouse still say yes and go learn that wheelhouse uh that's just you know that's how we've always kind of approached it my wife you know listen she she should be sitting here because she's a whole lot more impressive than i am 
Well, hey, she can, she can come on the show too. Yeah, <laughs> about to about, you know, like we talk about some knowledge. We, we talk about everything on the show, and you know, with your your background in, in wealth management, we've, we've heard lots of stories about income inequality, sure. the racial wealth gap, and I, I feel like we should talk. We should talk with young kids yeah. about financial literacy. What is there? What, what what would you say is something that everybody, like if you're 18 years old, 21 years old. What is something you should know about finances that is not talked about often enough? Ah, man, so many. Uh, I think the, a couple of them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that kids don't understand about finances is taxes, um, tax brackets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and listen, we all made a lot of money playing sports, but they don't they don't realize that okay, this guy signed a ten million dollar contract. He's not seeing ten million. He has to pay that 50% to, to uncle, to his uncle. Then he has to pay that, you know, whatever that fee is to his agent, right? And then you have some money to play with. That's 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 if you don't have student loans, right? That's if, you know, I've I've dealt with clients and dealt with you know athletes who had you know credit cards in their name that their mom and their granddad and so and so also had, and they had to deal with that type of stuff. So when you think about it, right, that 10 million has dwindled down dr- drastically, right? Mm-hmm. And like if they didn't know that, they already bought a four million dollar house or a hundred thousand dollar car or is taking their entourage of 20. Um, friends to dinners every night and so on and so forth, right? And everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to see another contract too. But what happens if you bought an ACL out and you don't see another contract? Right. And you gotta, you have to fend for yourself with the $2 million left, if that, right? That's the thing I think a lot of kids don't think about. Um, they also don't think about, you know, getting good private wealth advisors in their in their play. Listen, that's not a play for me. That's a yeah. play for getting smart people around you that aren't afraid to tell you no. Like that's one thing I had all the time I was playing. I had people that literally didn't give, didn't care. Yeah, they were gonna tell if it ain't for me, and they, and they didn't think it was right. They were gonna tell me no. You see, so many guys now these yes men, you yeah. know, these yes people around them. Yes, you need four cars. Yes, you need that new uh, Rolex watch or whatever it may be. I, you know, for you know, I think those are the little things, the little things, right? And if you think about the incremental dollar that is saved from those purchases. And throwing that in some type of investment vehicle. Yeah. Well, these kids are 21, 22 years old. When they're 40 years old, think about that compounding on that money. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing for me. We I can think. literally talk to you all day, man. Thank you for your time. We got to let you get back out and, and, uh, and hit some balls. But I, I actually do have one more question because Shoot. you just don't. That conversation now, it should have already been being had with younger and younger athletes. But now in the, in the era of name, image, and likeness, yeah. how did that development strike you in your area of wealth management? Because now these younger p- p- uh, people are having opportunities to become not just profit off the name, image, and likeness, but entrepreneurs in some respects. So just, I guess, what will be your message to them given the direction that uh, the college sports model is going now? You know what? I don't know yet. Okay, I, I figured I, it out. I, I yeah. really don't know. Yeah. I could, I could, I could come up here and give you a kind of a bull. No, that's answer, real. We all, we all process. I, it. I don't, I don't know yet. And I think, you know, just off the cuff, my fear is, um, where's the regulation on this? What's the the in and, in and out of bounds of this? What's going to stop, um, you know? You know these type of loans or all these interest rates or anything of that nature that might might have some fine writing to it, right? And it just seems like they. I'm I'm all for athletes, you know, making uh, making money off of their name and, and likeness. 100% for it. I'm a little upset that it didn't come like 15, yeah. 17 years ago. Right. 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 I was at this place called Notre Dame, and you know, small school. You know, yeah. you know, 
to the imagine, tapped out to the Catholic Imagine your pla- right. imagine your platform yeah, I, there. Little, you know, little, been little, great. Little, yeah. I was a little early, um, but yeah, I, I I I love where this is going. I'm just not educated enough yet to okay. give you a true answer on uh, on the because. It's almost like it's too good to be true. Anything that is too good to be true probably oh, has yes. some too good to be trueness in it. Yeah. Right. Um, so you know, hopefully here in a, in, a, in a couple of days, I'll get to dive deeper into it. Sure, you. Will. But I know Goldman is, is is doing our we're doing our due diligence on it, and we're always going to be slow to these processes because we want to make it make sure it's right before we put out a statement Absolutely. on it, and put out research on it. But I, I think it's a good thing, uh, and I hope it's just I hope it's the beginning uh, because. It's it's a it's been it's been in the in the calling for a long time, and uh, we finally got it across. So appreciate you, man. Thanks I'm for the now. Thank you, Always man. good to see you. Always good to talk. Oh, my pleasure. Right. This is good, and enjoy this hot weather. This oh man, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. How many years you been coming out here? This is my first time. Oh, is it? It's first, it's time. first time too. First time. All right, newbies. We'll see. You. We'll see you next year. We'll be out right. next. We'll be out. Be good, man. Thank you. Pleasure. All right, thank you, Justin. Pleasure. pleasure. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, brother from another, we're having a great time out here in Lake Tahoe. And I have to tell you, Mike, we're in Lake Tahoe right now. The place to be, though, the whole town is going to be decorated black and gold, Canton, Ohio, because between 2020 inductees and 2021 inductees, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take over the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're already there, but tell us about your plans for for like August, the first weekend in August. Yeah, it's that, gonna be crazy. That that weekend is locked in. I mean, totally. So obviously, the Steelers are playing in the game on Thursday. Steelers Cowboys. So Come so on. Thursday, uh, you know, I'm there, and your Friday, you're gonna see all the guys get to go jackets, and then uh, you know, uh, Saturday, Sunday, you got two different groups, but both um, with uh, a ton of uh, Steelers. So it's gonna be a great opportunity to see Coach Cower uh, get his just desserts, obviously um, being my coach, being very influ- influ- influential in my career. Uh, it's going to be great to see him, but you know, Troy Palomalu, Alan Fanica, who was critical block for to you. my success, <laughs> you know what I mean? But other guys like Donnie Shell, you know, Bill Nunn, to see these guys get their moment uh, in the sun. Unfortunately, Bill is no longer with us, but, but we get a chance to, to celebrate them and to share their success and uh, it's just going to be an incredible weekend. And it's going to be still a country. Make no mistake about it. No question. It. It's so close by. You can get right. there in two right. hours. So you just, just, just drop by Canton. Now, uh, Jerome, I had an opportunity to do uh, work with Coach Cower on his first book. Mm. And he talked about you just glowingly. Like, <laughs> first of all, it's one of my favorite clips from NFL films where he just looks at you and says, you're my effing guy. <laughs> and, 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 you know, right there on the sideline. But he said he knew 
from like maybe your first practice or OTAs at Duquesne. Yes. He saw you, saw your footwork, saw your attitude, and just said, okay, we got a steal here. When did you know that Pittsburgh was a good fit for you? Just like he knew it was a good fit for you guys, for him. I knew, did you it, know? I knew it right uh, when, I, when I went there because I had a unique situation in that I had talked to the management for the Rams and I got permission to seek a trade. So I was in the driver's seat. So it came down to uh, Tennessee, who was at, the t- at that time Houston, and Pittsburgh. And so I had, a, I had the choice of which one because they were both basically given the same thing. Uh, and so I got a chance to choose which team I wanted to go to. And it was one of those it, it made sense. They just lost in the Super Bowl, so they had a championship caliber team, and I'm thinking, I'm the missing piece, right? So, it, it, 10 years later, it didn't happen. But I knew they were a great football team, and so I knew that I would be, be able to go there and add uh, to the mix, and it all worked out. And just that, 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 that city kind of embraced yes. you too. Yes. I mean, you had the nickname already. Like, it's not, you came in with a nickname. It was a bu- you were the bus before but, Pittsburgh. But that city, they love big running backs. Yeah. So, so it, it's a blue collar town. And if you go there, you understand it. They, they're not mesmerized by the seventy yard touchdown pass. They are impressed by three yards, cloud of dust. Big, you know, get back and how to do it again, right? And if you can method- methodically go down the football field, they appreciate that. And not a lot of cities are kind of built that way. But Pittsburgh. The city is built that way. You've got grandmas, grandfather. They watch the game religiously. They've been watching it for 40 years. They know what the glory days used to look like, and and they're not afraid of ground and pound. And so that's what that's why they kind of took me in. In my first year, it felt like I was drafted by them. Felt like I was just like a fit, a natural fit, because you know what I did fit what that city was all about. So as a Steeler. How hard was it for you to watch last season? Watch a Steeler team Could struggle run. to run the football. And struggle is being nice. And here's a two-part question. How hard was last year? And how hyped were you when they drafted Najee Harris in the first round? Yeah, so, so yeah, I was, fr- I was so frustrated. And, and even when they were having the successes, I was saying, we got to run. We're not running the football, you know. And, and so I was just getting madder and madder because I saw the writing on the wall. You cannot be one-dimensional going into the playoffs. You just can't do it because the better teams will be able to stop you doing one thing. That's why you have to be multidimensional and you've got to then be able to adjust. And we and we just couldn't do that. And to see uh, they realized um, the error in their ways, right, in terms of what that team, what that city, what the makeup of that organization is all about, yeah. then they got back to business. And and they went out and got a first-round running back, but not just any running back. Najee Harris, I think it was the class of uh, of last year's draft in terms of running backs. But but he's that physical presence that you want. Now, he's to, he's the today's running back because he can get out of the backfield. He's super athletic. He can jump over you. He can go around you. He can do it all. But he still has that 230 physical pounding attitude coming from Alabama. They like to pound the football. Yeah. So he's not afraid of 25 times a game. Yeah. And I think that's what we needed. Uh, and now it gives us the potential to be an even more dangerous football team because now we, we can be 
multi-dimensional. That's Man, the only I love it. And, and he's another personality too. Yeah, he's, he another, he's a great kid. He another, is another a, big smiling yes, right. running back. That'll, hey, that'll and he's gonna bring that energy. Yeah. He's gonna bring that yeah. energy. I love that you're still saying we too. You're still saying. <laughs> I, yes, I, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you this: if you talk to any guy that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're always part of the family, and and that's because the ownership treats you that way. And you know, I, I played at other organization that's not like that. Yeah. And for for that ownership, even if you played somewhere else, a couple other, you still always have a place there in Pittsburgh. That's always home, and it's a it's a refreshing feeling as a player. Before we let you player. go, before we let you go, get back on the range here. Uh, speaking of family environment, you've been coming in, you said, for 13 years. 13, 14 years. What keeps you coming back to this? This is our first rodeo here. So. You, you know what? It, it's a great atmosphere. Um, the guys are great. They treat everybody um, uh, with respect and, and, and an appreciation for coming out here. Um, and they, they, they put on an incredible tournament. You know, what they do for us, um, you know, you know from, from the food uh, to the amenities, everything that they offer offer is it's first class and then they put on a first class tournament yeah. right and so uh, it, it keeps guys coming back because you feel um, a sense of obligation because they, they they do such a great job yeah how dare I miss a year uh, for coming here and you get a chance to spend time with guys yeah. uh, that you don't see all year long and you know being retired, where do you get the competition, right? Yeah, right, right. We're all competitors. Long, yeah. That's the thing. We're all yeah. competitors. And so we may not be, you know, fighting for the lead, yeah. but I can promise you the two guys ahead of you, the two guys below you, everybody's on the swivel. Like, yeah. you see the guys warming up, you're like, I got you today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got you today. You, you ahead of me. And then you got the guy behind you saying, JB, don't slip. I'm coming for you. So it, 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 it gets those competitive juices going like, you know, we can't, unfortunately, we don't have uh, any more. Well, we appreciate you spending appreciate some time it, with man. us, man. We won't miss it again, so we'll see you again next Thank week. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. All right, man. man. Thank, Thank you, you Bus. Appreciate Thank you, Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yo, when you got Charles Barkley, you don't even waste time introducing him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, Chuck's here. You know what I mean? What up, guys? Like, I mean, like, it's you good know, to see both of y'all, man. Good to see you, too, man. I miss y'all, man. Miss you, too. Do I look like I can play? If you didn't know it, me. It has nothing to do with looks out here, But brother. if you didn't know me. Oh, you know, you would. Some people call it. Some people walk around looking good on the golf course, can't play. Right. And I, I'm like that, too, because I always make sure I look good. Right. If you can't play good, you got to look good. I've been saying, uh, you know, basketball since I'm the guy with the shooting sleeve that can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You're the guy who always win that mile race to start a training camp. Who always get cut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> come in and tip yeah, top shit. Like, uh, yeah, they, you, those guys like that, they come. They always win the mile race, and they gone after, like, the first week. Yep. And this ain't, this ain't a marathon out here, brother. This is to get 90 feet quick. Right. 
Good to see you, man. Thank hey, you. you. Did you bring the guarantee button? Hey. Uh, I did not bring the guarantee button. Uh, first of all, we've been working so hard the last year. I don't want to see a basketball, no guarantee. <laughs> don't man, worry about it because you know what? Yeah. This thing, I think this finals is going to be over early. Am I, am I over? Tell me if I'm hey, am I hey, overreacting. Hey, Come on, Charles. Tell How me long have you been around? A long time. You read it over, I should know better. After one game, we, you, that's one thing I know about the NBA. I don't even start looking at it until, like, you know more after – the first four games. Right. But the, the pressure's on the Suns to win the game tonight. At home. At home. Because you, yeah. you go into Milwaukee one and one and you listen to a series, it's going to be over quickly the other way. So uh, I tell people, man, just don't overreact to one game. Uh, you know, Giannis is not back yet. You know, he averaged, he, he averaged over 40 points against the Suns during the regular season and, and came back. He only had 20 the other night. So that tells me he's not back totally. But, Charles, the reason I say it, it's not because of the one game. It seems like I'm overreacting. But I don't like even before the series started, I said, man, the matchup scared me a little bit. I think Phoenix has too much for Milwaukee just across the board. Let's say one through eight. Especially their non... Well, Giannis is the best player in the series. Still? You going to say that? Yeah, he's yeah. the best player in the series. Sure. Then you probably got to go with CP and Booker. Yeah. But then Drew Holiday and Milton are probably the next best, too. All right. And I hear you say all the time about role players and role players they play well at home yes sometimes on the road they disappear but i like phoenix's role players better than milwaukee's role player a role player will win a game in this series won't he? well they're gonna win some games uh, but at some point the rubber gonna meet the road and your stars got to be stars now those role players the reason that role players you never know what's gonna show up yeah. but your stars they have to show up and especially when you're in a must win game. That's really the key. Because in a, a, and then especially when you go when you talk about going home and road, as you saw last series with Milwaukee, those guys played the same thing with the Atlanta Hawks. They played night and day on the road. Yeah. Uh, but so listen, I, I don't want people to overreact. I'm, I'm pulling for my sons, but I cannot overreact to one game. Yeah. So the, the cool thing about having you here, man, is it's like what y'all do on inside. It's like it's the conversations that we're already having, so they're just continuing. <laughs> so it feels like, yeah, we've been wanting to tell you this for a long yeah. time. We've been wanting to weigh in on this for a while. I know, you know, for years, you have been the biggest CP3 fan. Yes. You've been the biggest CP3 fan. And that, same here. It's like the, the idea that he had not won a championship had nothing to do with his greatness. But if you would allow me to get ahead of myself a little bit, if the point guard were to cap off his career with a championship with these sons, where, if at all, does that elevate him in the conversation with greatest point guards of all time? Charles, I've taken the call on him the best quarterback to ever play basketball. Which is crazy, Charles. Because I just Which it's hard for me to say he's better than Magic. He, well, he's not better than Magic right. or Isaiah. Okay, cool. I mean, those two, uh, you know. They, are, they How about Stockton? Are they untouchable? They're, they're, they're on, they, is he better than Stockton? If if he wins the championship, you you have to move him ahead. Okay. There's a pecking order to guys who won a championship. But he's not better than John Stockton. But if he wins the championship, you can put him in that category. Uh, I'm not sure he's better than Jason Kidd. Okay. Um, but like I said, it's all up to subjective. I mean, you know, all us old heads think Michael is the greatest player ever. <laughs> all these young guys think it's either Kobe or LeBron. All the old heads think Kareem was the greatest. So it's it's all within, like, your generation. But, yo, man, I, I've been saying I've been the biggest Chris Fall fan for a long time. It's unfortunate we've gotten to the point where we just start – you got a lot of guys who don't know anything about basketball, like Skip Bayless, those punk ass. <laughs> you know, they make a living talking about who ain't won a championship like they've actually accomplished anything. And they made a team sport an individual sport. Right. I mean, 
everywhere Chris has been, he's won. He just hadn't been good enough. That's what I said yesterday. You couldn't be a winner without winning at all. No, of course he's it, a winner. I mean, I mean, you think about this. When he was in New Orleans, they were in the playoffs every yeah. year. Uh, then he goes to the Clippers. They're in the playoffs every year. Yeah. And he gets to blame. I'm like, wait, what about them other big dudes that didn't do anything? Then he goes to Oklahoma, uh, Houston. People forget, until he pulled his hamstring, that was the closest to the, the, the Warriors came to getting beat. Yeah. And uh, then he goes to Oklahoma City, and they're like thinking he gets them to the playoffs. And now he takes a team that didn't even make the playoffs, did not even make the playoffs, had the second-best record in the West, and now they're in the finals. If you don't think that's a winner, you just don't, you're just being unfair. We've been having a lot of GOAT talk. Uh, we've had, besides yourself, we've had Jerry Rice, we've had Sterling Sharp, uh, Jerome Bettis has been on the show. A lot, of, a lot of talk about greatest of all time. But Justin Tuck actually kind of – wrecked us a little bit yesterday because he was talking about it shouldn't be greatest of all time it should be greatest of their time because it's so hard to compare eras but i want to ask you because you were just at the match yeah and do you really believe that brady is the best athlete of all time oh yes i do and i don't think it's even close to be honest Mm. with you that man played in 10 super bowls 10 and he's won seven think about that no, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Ed, I mean I'm uh, most accomplished. But I mean, but t- the best to ever like. Hey, that's I, it, it, team I'm sports. Just, listen, I think he just plays quarterback. That's uh, that's my no, pushback to you. Plays quarterback. That's probably the most important position in sports. Right, which I think and, I but, think but, but, it elevates him. Yes, it elevates him in my opinion. Because yeah. the one thing I think you have to factor in when you play football, every game is a game seven. Yeah, like in the NBA. If you got Michael Jordan or Kareem or LeBron, you got the best player. It's a lot easier to win those four games in a seven-game series. When you're in the NFL playoffs, every playoff game is a game seven. Right. And I don't even. And, 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 and I don't even know what's more ridiculous: the fact that he's won seven Super Bowls or he's played in ten. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, are yeah. you kidding me? Crazy. Ten. I mean, j- just to note that, like, wow. And like I say, he's won seven, but he's played in ten. Yeah, that's I'm why. Calling. That's why I think, like you have, like I say, I think the determining factor. And like I said, it's all debatable. Sure. When you play every game that's a game seven, that's pressure. I mean, I mean, in the NBA, if you lose, you can lose three games and still win the series. That's true. And you could, then you can still say, "I won the championship." Yeah. Every time you lose a playoff game, the season is over. And for this man to play in ten Super Bowls and win seven, hey, you got to get that man his due. I listen. I would be surprised if he threatened ten wins. I, I, Come on. I, I would not. I've told you this before. I told you before. It would have been crazy to think yeah. seven at one point. It would not surprise me if he threatened Running out of time, man. They, 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 like a long way they, away. They are favorite. Man. They you got everybody back. Year, probably. They, think about it. What's scary about it, last year, they didn't even get to practice. Right. And this year, he going to have new like, system. think about this. Right. He had to go to a new system, learn everything of his players on the Zoom call. <laughs> on the Zoom call. Right. And then they still won. Super, and then this to me. First of all, I thought he should have retired because if you go to, I think, okay, New Orleans and beat Drew Brees, I think that was the first game. Mm-hmm. Then he went. That was the second one. Yeah, they beat, the, Washington. They beat Washington the first one. They beat, oh, but that, the, I'm not saying that Washington. Count. That didn't count. That didn't count. <laughs> but, it, but if you go to New Orleans and beat Drew Brees, uh, go to Lambeau Field yeah. and beat Aaron Rodgers, then you beat Pat Mahomes. You'd have walked away? I would have walked away. Mic drop? That's a mic drop right there. But you know what? God bless him. Keep it play as long as he want to. But think about that. 
He went into Lambeau Field and beat Aaron Rodgers, and then New Orleans beat Drew Brees, and then beat Pat Mahomes, who's the, who's the next. They say he's the next guy. He can't beat the, that. Like that's like, oh man, I don't know if he can do that, but he did it. Man, I bet one of the funniest interviews you gave. I don't know if you remember this. You were in you were in uh, Foxborough after a playoff game. You're Gillette Stadium. Reporters were around you. You said, "Look, man, when Brady and Belichick leave, y'all gonna suck." <laughs> I just want to let y'all know that y'all go suck. So I mean, uh, you got the two great. You got but you've been you've been you've been friendly with both of them for I, a long time. I've been time. friendly with Coach Belichick a lot longer. Yeah. I met him when he was coaching the Browns. I remember writing about yeah. your relationship. With yeah, all you met him when you. Oh, how did you meet him when he was coaching the Browns? What was the uh, connection then? Uh, Mike Fratello Mike? Okay. says, "Hey, uh, Bill Belichick is a fan of yours. Would you go to dinner?" I said, "Of course." I said, yeah. and then we went out. We had a great time at dinner. And we stayed in touch all these years. And I go up to Foxborough, you know, every chance I get to go to a game. And uh, I bumped into Tom quite a few times out there. But Coach Belichick's just been a great friend. And, man, he uh, you talk about GOAT. We know he's the GOAT. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you really going to get the scoop on Rodgers? Like, I would not be surprised if he, well, if he told He'll tell you. you. No, He'll tell even, you. I don't maybe. even think he knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because yeah. they're going to have to make a decision. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's not in control of the situation. I mean, they they either gonna wait him out or trade him, but I don't think they know. Mm-hmm. I think they think he's gonna change his mind. Which that's the question after you ask him. Is if he, he asked change? your advice, what would you tell him? I think that it's what's gonna be tricky if he goes back there and don't play well. He's alienated enough of the fan base. It's gonna get uncomfortable. And let me tell you something. You guys know. Sports are hard to play when everything's good, but he's alienated half the fan base. So if he throws the interception the first game, hmm. you know they're coming for him. And and so it's going to be it's a really tricky thing right now. Yeah. Hey man, I need to get you in on this debate. Uh-oh. That this this pettiness debate. Oh, what is this? That I've had with. Oh, I work with King Petty. Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> no I work. I, I work. I, I work with Petty. I want to see. I want to see how <laughs> Petty how Let me see if you can get to my level of petty, Charles. I have been so. I mean, my my hatred for the Brooklyn Nets oh. all year long. The whining. Hey, Kevin Durant. I can't stand Brother, him. Can't preach to the choir. We're on the same page. Kyrie. Hey. Like, dude, it's been a long time. Like, the, like, appreciate the art. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. You know, I root against them so hard. Oh, dude, oh, oh put it right there. Hey. Put it right there. Uh, hey. my, I was so. I wore a Brooklyn. I wore. I, mean, I wore a Milwaukee Bucks. Like old school, yeah. like the Ray Allen. Yeah. <laughs> like I told. I said, Dar Robinson. Hey, hey. Mike, I got on team and says the guy says. What do you think of Brooklyn? I said, I don't, I'm rooting against him. I, I'm, I'm rooting against him. I just want you to know it. He said, well, you, you, I said, hey, man, I'm rooting against them. I, I said, I don't care who wins, as long as they don't win it, we're oh. good. Is it the personalities for you? That's it's the personalities for him. Is it the personalities oh. how it's, they came together? What is it's it that 100%, percent Number one, how they came together was bogus and BS. But they personalities. Like, it's always something. It's like, uh, like yeah, man. Because, uh, listen, part of this thing that we do, while we make a gazillion dollars a year is to talk to the press. Yeah. And you can answer the questions you want to. They're not asking you no nuclear codes or no nuclear secrets. They're going to ask you about basketball. And they don't want to do interviews. They're arguing with losers on the internet. I'm like, come on, man. I'm not going to argue with some loser on the internet who's jealous of my success. And this, and, uh, and, and it just, it just drives me crazy. I'm never going to roof. I'm up with you. But you have been, so, it's been so long since you played. You are as connected to 
the current game as your day and age. You talked about it's bogus how they came together. I wonder, would you ever change your mind? No, because oh. if I had a known, now see, first of all, if I had a known that some of these bozos on television were going to criticize me not winning a championship, I would have joined a super team. But I, 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 I ne- we never Earlier. thought. Uh, no, I mean, you got uh, tried it in Houston. No, no, I got traded to Houston. I didn't want to go there. And they traded me when I was 122 years old. I feel like we in, uh, in uh, the, okay. coming from America. Yeah. Yeah. He, whooped, he whooped Joe Frazier's ass. Joe Frazier was 102 years old, wasn't he? Uh, they traded me to Houston when I, when I, had, nothing, right. I had nothing left in the yeah. tank. Oh, yeah. Hey, so, yeah, me, me and Keem and Clyde were all old. Yeah. And uh, like I say, I, I, they traded me. I didn't want to go there. I want to finish my but career. Would have done it differently. I, I, if I had known that coming back, if I could send it to people, are gonna say Charles was a great player, but he didn't win a championship. I says, well, I could have joined Michael or Magic or somebody else in the middle of my career in my prime and stole the championship too, uh, like like the uh, like uh, you know they did it in Miami. But why? But this is what I don't get though. It's like. I, and I hear you. They had super teams back then. They just but the, the but they did, but they they, they the general were, managers the, put those general managers and they were drafted. Why is that different? Well, because what's the difference? It's, 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 it's organic. Regardless, regardless it's as organic. You pointed out, so organic makes it better. It's a team yes, sport. Yes, uh, organic makes it you better. Be organic, of, Charles, and be Damian Lillard. Hey, uh, it, listen, and if he could win one, it'd mean more than some of these super teams. But what if he doesn't? Because hey, the team he can, didn't hey, put he, players around him. Hey, Why should he suffer for that? Well, he can go join, but it still won't be the same as him winning one in Portland up there. No doubt. Uh, the, the one LeBron won in Cleveland means more than the ones he won in Miami. But that was a super team. I know. They went but, back and yeah, he no, had yeah. Kevin Love and Kyrie But the, one, the first one was bogus. The when, one he, that, when all these get to uh, – well, uh, well, Kyrie was already there. Right, that's what I'm saying. And they traded for Kevin Love. Right, so, so he basically formed a super team but just back. Yeah, I, but they didn't get together over the summer on a banana boat and say, hey, let's <laughs> team up together. That's what the what, one is unorganic like that. That's right. the part I don't all like. Right. So you, you like hey, it. Let's just say me and Michael and Patrick Ewing had got together on the dream team and says, hey, guys, let's force our way together so we can play and win, dominate the league. That would be bogus. Did any, any conversation like that? Ever, ever happened? Yeah. Hell no. Okay. no, no it was like I, I want to beat that mofo right there. I, I want to beat Patrick Ewing. I want to beat Michael Reggie. You know he was trying to go at Michael. You know I wanted to be go at Carl Malone. You know I wanted Akeem. Akeem. Uh, so you want to go go through somebody to to win it. Uh, the, but you know I, you know I love when these people try to act like they had super teams. They did have super teams, but most of the players were drafted by that team. And or, or or they added a free agent, but I can't think of one. Uh, Bird, McHale, and Paris were all drafted or traded. All traded for, yeah. Magic, Kareem, and Worthy were all drafted, uh, and those were super teams. The Bulls, quote unquote, uh, they, they added a free agent, uh, but Horace, Scotty, and Michael were all drafted by the Bulls. So I just think if you do it like that, it's all right. I'm never guys forcing that way. When James forces the way out of Houston to play with Kyrie. And uh, uh, Durant. and Durant, I didn't like that at all because they ruined the Rockets franchise. Because that's what it really does. Yeah, when, when, yeah. when you like, there's no. I'm never going to Houston again. I'm never going to Cleveland again. I'm never going to my favorite city, Toronto again. <laughs> when your superstar leaves and go join a super team, that uh, organization is done. Hey, my, my my final thing for you is uh, we talked about Scotty. Scotty came out and said some things about Phil Jackson, said some things about Michael. Hey, yeah, he said some things about me. Uh, he, but let me tell you something. He said anything about you? Yeah, he said, uh, I think he said I was a fake tough guy. I said, well, I might be a fake tough guy. I can kick his ass. <laughs> um, but you, I, think he's, I think you, you think there's some jealousy? No, I think he got a book coming out. 
That's it. That's That's it. it. It's 100%. Okay. All, listen, I, the thing that's funny, me and Scotty have never had a crossword. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. But now he's going at everybody. Then he's like, oh, he's got a book on a bourbon coming out. <laughs> and I was like, come on, man. It, 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 first of all, it's a bad look. If you really want to say these things, you should have said them. I've been retired for 20 years. You said 20 years ago. But the, just because you're coming out with a book and a bourbon, taking shots at guys, I, that, I, that's not cool at all to me. And he's still defending the, the 1.8 second thing. Yeah, I know. Like, gotta I let know. that one go, right? I, I gotta let it go. Come on, you didn't I mean, go into the game. First of all, the guy hit the shot. Yeah. Come on. It gets forgotten too, yeah, too yeah, often. Yeah, too often. We gotta let you go. Last thing I'll ask you, man, just never ceases to amaze the longevity and how night in and night out what you guys do on air as an event. It's must-see TV. Love it. And you guys act like it's your first time together. What do you? What is the thing that keeps you coming back? I know you, you're you looking to relax and disconnect. It's been a long grind. But what keeps you coming back year after year? What keeps y'all having so much fun night in and night out? It's the most fun on television. Well, number one, thanks for the kind words. You know, it's a stupid game. And we have figured out you have to reach a balance. If you want to talk serious, I mean, first of all, we're on from 8 to 2 in the morning. Right. Nobody want to talk about basketball for six damn hours. <laughs> so we have to figure out, like, how do we get the perfect balance between serious basketball and being stupid? Mm. And we take everybody's opinion on on how to do that, to be honest with you. Because, like I say, we're on from 8 to 2 in the morning. That's a long way. I, if I sit there and talk about basketball for six hours, you're going to be like, yo, man, this is the most boring stuff I've ever seen in my life. But we have a certain mix of stupidity and basketball, and that's why it works. I love it. Yeah. Appreciate you. It. Don't, you know, like you say, and I work with Petty White, too. <laughs> you know, this dude Petty. <laughs> So glad y'all two on the opposite ends, man. Hey, man. This is, this is my dude right here. Hey, this is man. my dude. I'll keep doing y'all. Hey, appreciate man. you. Hey, thank you. Always been supportive, man. Uh, always, always. Thank you Love so much, Fire. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Anytime, brothers. Charles Barkley needs no introduction. I got to get acquainted with uh, Lake Tahoe before we leave, man. Yes, yes. Like we just got here, and it's almost time to go. It. Who says it's time to go though? Says who? Well, we ain't got to go home, but we got to get. We got to get out of here. here. We don't have to get out of here. Now, many of it, so you think they would actually kick us out of here? About kicking us out, but the plan was for us to do two days. Look, plan done same. two successful days, if I may say so. It's the key to life. Tomorrow, got to be flexible. Anything you may have missed from the last two days, a brother from another, live and direct, on location from the American Century Championship in Lake Tahoe. We're going to run it back tomorrow, a little best of action as we travel back east um, and resume our regularly scheduled programming next week. We actually are working next week. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. Imagine that. And then we off. Then we Olympics. off for a month. Um, so let's make the most of this time we yeah. have left. Um, I want to play something for you. Um, a song? Because we have some, some side action. Oh, okay. I thought you wanted to play a song because you were uh, singing during the break. Oh, yeah. We Yacht Rock has it. been going. Some good uh, stuff. It's been going hard out here. Uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan yeah. did the Flying Coach They're podcast coaches, right? together. They're coaches, right? They're coaches? Yes. <laughs> flying Coach NFL podcast coaches. together. There was a couple of headlines that came from it. One of them I thought you'd get a kick out of because, you know, it wasn't that long ago when you were crapping oh, I, I, on Matthew I have, Stafford and the trade. Back. I know exactly where you want to go. Everybody who's talked about Matthew Stafford yeah, okay. has raved yeah. about this deal. And come to find out, uh, that the Rams had some interdivision competition. So this is uh, Kyle Shanahan telling a story about how he almost got Matthew Stafford before they ended up with Trey Lance in the draft. 
what did you think when you saw that we traded for Stafford? You don't want to get me started, dude. I remember looking through it because everyone was telling me it was a possibility. And Stafford's the man. Um, I mean, I studied him hard coming out of college, and you always yeah. just play against him, so you know how good he is. But to know he might be available and to spend two weeks really watching him, Sean, yeah, he's better than I have realized. <laughs> I mean, he was the man, and he's actually underrated to me. So I know how good of a guy he got. I know how good he is at play action. I know how smart he is. Not only does he just have a big arm, but he's got touch and he knows where to go with the ball. So I was trying to get involved in it. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, it, it came together faster than I thought too, Kyle. So. <laughs> well, the fact I was in Cabo, man, like I would have been eerie. there and I would have made it really awkward on you two to enjoy it. I would have, you would have had to tell me to leave. And that's the Flying Coach Podcast with Peter Schrager and Sean McVay. Now, considering that that was coming from Kyle Shanahan, I know it doesn't hold a lot of no, water No, no, it holds a lot of weight. Oh, a lot it of does? Weight. Okay. No, I'm, I'm growing. I'm evolving, man. I'm evolving. Like this time, but you know, but we're on the golf this time course. in the mountains, we're on a golf, golf course. course. I was going to offer you a mulligan. The water. I was going to offer you a mulligan. I, and you could, you could always get it later What's in a the mulligan? Year. What's the mulligan you offer? The, the mulligan with regards to the Matthew Stafford trade. But there's well, more. But wait, there's more. There's You're not going to take it. There's more. I'm not going to take it. So go okay. ahead. Okay. Because the better headline, see, because I'm 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 a peaceful man. I'm, I'm right. a reasonable man, and I'm I, I, you, I know you don't like keeping stats, but I remember everything. Okay. I remember how much grief I gave you when they went up to number three. Yep. At the suggestion, your suggestion, that the Niners would be going up to number three to get Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Yes. You know who thought the same thing? Sean McVay. Sean McVay. He thought the same thing. Even though they had George Kittle, it was going to be Gronk and Hernandez 2.0, that dominant two tight end package um, that they could have had with Kyle Pitts and George Kittle. And I just, listen, I still think it was ridiculous to ever think that they would go up that high for a tight end. But one of the smartest offensive minds in football thought the same thing you did. So well, see, look, because, what, see, was that so hard to get props? Look at that. No, look that wasn't. Look that wasn't me. hard. But you said, as you said, one of the smartest offensive minds in football. So, what does it's that make you? No, 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 no. No, I'm not going there. I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying, but of course he would think that because he probably would want to go in that direction if he had the opportunity just to just have this great offense with a quarterback that he trusts. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have a quarterback that he trusts, and I think it's a little much. I think it's uh, piling on. It's a little gratuitous what he and others have done to Jared Goff. Now the brothers in Detroit, now they make it sound like Jared Goff has never taken a team to a Super Bowl or that he's ever been to a Pro Bowl. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. And I would say, this is why I don't want your mulligan, I would argue that between Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, there's not really a big difference. Oh, 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 or, or maybe I'll switch this. There is a big difference. Tell me you've never watched Matthew Stafford without telling me you've never watched Matthew Stafford. Tell me this. <laughs> Tell me this. Was. How many playoff games All right, man. have you seen Matthew Stafford win? Okay. So, moving right Jared along. Goff, short no, time. Oh, ain't no short. Ain't no moving along. Jared Goff went to your hometown. And, yeah, okay, there was some uh, uh, official assistance, pass interference uh, that was not called. But he went to New Orleans and got them to the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Um, honestly, okay. I really I, don't have time to okay. argue with you. All right, it's fine. It's not even worth it. We right. only got nine minutes. You think Matthew Stafford will win a playoff game this year? I think he'll win several. And this year? And might win MVP, too. Um, <laughs> Crazy. Not even might. He's MVP. He'll okay. MVP this See. year. There you go. That's our new Nets. That's our new Brooklyn Nets is Matthew Stafford. 
We're running out of time. Um, still holding out hope that Aaron Rodgers will just descend from the heavens and just say, hey, guys, let's wrap. I heard you talking about me. So still no sign of Rodgers yet. Yeah. We haven't seen Mahomes and Kelsey. We'll hang out a little while longer, see if we can maybe, you know, put something on tape for tomorrow. But uh, uh, seems like a swing and a miss on those fronts. So instead of talking about who we didn't get a chance to chop it up with, let's kind of recap the last couple of days and give me your favorite moments. You know, we we made a few headlines. We made some news. Yeah. Some of these interviews with Derek Carr, with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Shout out to Mike Florian, Pro Football Talk, giving us some love. Um what was your favorite moment? What was the the sound bite from the last two days that you, that that you're gonna well? That's I don't resonating know. With you? I don't know if there's a favorite moment, but I I, I did like the conversation that we just uh, had here uh, five ten minutes ago with Charles Barkley. Yeah. And we, he's yeah, still setting his ways. Yeah. Well, he's setting his ways, but I can it's understand funny. his I can understand his point, especially when you talk about the greatest athlete ever. Now, I, I'm uncomfortable calling Tom Brady the greatest athlete ever. In any sport, because that's just too hard. You got to go Olympics. You got to go soccer. That, that I uh, admittedly don't know that well. So, am I going to compare uh, Tom Brady to Pele? Am I going to compare him right. to more Messi? Domi- is he more dominant than I, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, yeah like I, it's tough. You know. But in the NFL, I can say that he is the best athlete ever to play in the NFL. And I asked you earlier, are you getting caught up in the word athlete as an no, athletic? No, I'm not looking at his 40 time. I'm not looking at his All mobility. Right. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm simply saying this is a conversation that is rooted in quarterback bias. Quarterback, this is the – Tom Brady has reached the pinnacle of quarterback gets too much credit, too much blame. He's the most accomplished player ever. He won seven Super Bowls. Yeah, he was the quarterback of seven Super Bowl teams and, yeah. and, and, and Super Bowl championship teams. I just I refuse to say that he does he plays his position better than somebody who plays a less glamorous position played theirs. But listen, it's just to be nominated. We were talking about Tropic Thunder the other day. Yeah. Just to be nominated, just to be in the conversation. Uh, I like Derek Carr a lot. I always, I've always liked Derek Carr. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of what he had to say yesterday. Um, it's funny. We, we were laughing about him saying that he has on good authority that he was not the mf'er that Tom Brady claims. He told a team, oh, so you're sticking with that one. And you and I came to an agreement this morning that, that Tom Brady, that it's Brady, he's full of it, that, that he made it up. That's not true. Well, I was going to say, before we get there, I would say that Brady, my thought is that Brady contacted he hit him with a Derek text. Carr. Yeah. Uh, either text called or called him text. and said, yeah, look, man, I ain't talking about yeah. you. Bro, I ain't talking about you. It's always been good. We're good. Oh, yeah, we're good. No, no, you're the man. You're the man. Have these nice fights. You know, oh, we're good. Oh, you're good. Oh, you're the man. Yeah. I'm just trying to be like you, bro. Yeah. I'm trying. Just give me one. Yeah. Give me one of your you know seven. Much, oh, right? you know, you know, I ain't talking about you. But I think Brady got caught up in the barbershop Word. atmosphere, like everybody does, uh, particularly a black barbershop. Go to a black barbershop. <laughs> You sit there for a while. Tom Brady had his. Yeah. You know, I met Martin Luther King once, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you did. Uh, no, you did. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he yeah, did. He did. He sat right here. He sat. Martin Luther King sat right here in this chair. I'm walking right down here. the street feeling good. <laughs> you know, that was, that was Brady in the boat. He got like, caught yeah, up. He, he had to cuss. He had to show like, us. Was, yeah. Like he was learning how to cuss too, right? Right. right. He's like, yeah, I said, I, I said, what I say, what I say? I said, oh, you won't stick with that? <laughs> like, okay. Tom, I'm starting to doubt. I'm starting to doubt that it ever happened. Tone it. Down. Yeah. You don't really talk like that, man. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's ever heard you do that. Right. So I don't think I don't think there was really a team where he was saying to himself, "Hey, you sticking with that dude?" Right. Because who would it be? It have to be somebody that's not in his relationship web. Ryan Tannehill. It's not Tannehill because Tannehill's too good. 
I'm just kind of over the, the investigation at this point anyway. We did our journalistic duty by asking Derek Carlson if he was here. But I'm I'm over trying to figure it out. You know, maybe maybe Brady gets asked about it, he comes clean. He's like, you know what? It was Mitchell Trubisky. What? Doubtful that he does that. But one, and then one Chicago was like, no, we're not sticking with him. <laughs> no, we're not sticking with him. One can dream. Right, I don't on. know. Who the hell knows? And then Jerry Rice, that was the other, you know, uh, headline. But see, okay, round, Jerry Rice. Double his stats in this today's is great. game. This is great with Jerry Rice. So you said this. It's not like we're talking about him behind his back. I love talking to Jerry Rice. Love uh, how he was just so comfortable here and just chilling and talking about things and how he was hurt. In a game that he won Super Bowl MVP, 11 catches, 215 yards. Yep. He's hurt in that game and still wants and win, still wins Super Bowl MVP. But what tripped me out about Jerry Rice is he's wearing a hat. Michael <laughs> Smith pointed this out to him yesterday. My man's wearing a hat that says greatest of all time. Like nobody told I didn't tell you to put the hat on. I didn't make nobody made you wear the hat. He's got a hat, a greatest of all time hat on. We ask him, "Are you the goat?" Well, I'm not comfortable with they that. They can't say it, you know. I didn't know they are. Let us say, let, let us say that. Why are you, you wearing the hat, though? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah. Then you ask me about it. Well, I mean, uh, that's what others are saying. Hand, listen, that's what others are saying. Or maybe it's one way of saying, do I have to answer that? Like, is it, isn't it obvious? Like, that's why I got the hat. Read the hat. You know? Yeah. How, how do you – I know the double – like, I would probably double my stats. It's a little bit of an exaggeration to make a point. Entertaining. We love it. Do you think – his stats would increase in today's. Hey, wait, today's he, got, he got another one. We're just talking about. It. We, we, we don't need you. It. We don't need. We were you just talking about to you. Say anything. Just step in the come camera on, come and show today's show hat. We were just Mr., talking about you, Mister. I'm not thinking about Hold on. where yeah. I rank. I, goat I, and goat fuel. Got my goat fuel man. Okay. Goat. I said you got goat, bro. I'm saying, look, Michael Smith asked you yesterday. If we only got a couple minutes left, so make hey, one last goat statement. We, we, he asked yesterday, if you're the greatest of all time, you're wearing a hat that says goat. And then you said, well, that's not for me to say. But you're wearing a hat. No, but no, 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 no. This is uh, it's anyone that's daring to be great. Sure. You know, and uh, I feel like everybody, everybody are goats. I mean, if you get up in the morning and, and you're inspired to get that workout in or, you know, you go to work and stuff like that, you're a GOAT. So this hat, you know, it's just not for athletes. Give me one of them then. I mean, let me get one of them. No, you, I know you, I'm the greatest. You can go GOATFUEL.com oh, and you can oh, buy it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> It doesn't come free. It doesn't right. come free. Nope. All right, I'll pick. I'm gonna pick one up. All right, go. Hey man, hey, appreciate hey, it. Hey, it. What's in gold right, fuel? What, what's in gold fuel? Real quick, you're drinking the gold fuel. What's in? Well, well I, I told you, I went back to Muscle Milk and I said, look, I need the healthy ingredients, and I needed something that had my core values. And everybody know for 20 years I watched everything that I put in my body. Yeah. It got to be legit. It got to be healthy. So it's just like, you know, it's all the right things. All right. Cordyceps mushrooms, man. I'm telling there it you. is right there. That's what it's all about, man. How about that for full circle? I'm, I'm, I'm just talking, talking about, about, about you. And here you come. Always and I show up. Hey, I always show up, available. man. Hey, that's, right what I, that's what right I do. That's what I do. Right there. Right that's the what, I'm always open. Give me the ball, baby. Appreciate always you, open. All right. I'm out. All right. Mic drop. Oh, man. All right, you can't good. make that up. It's a good couple of days, man. You can't make that up. It's a good couple of days. Oh, man. No I'm going out there ideas. now. I'm going there now. Like, I'm gonna... y'all, y'all should do the show in the same place. Like, eh, I kind of like my I kind of like my garage. No, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I like being here. This is fun. I can do that. Appreciate everybody here at the America Century Love Championship. Y'all. Thank, Thank you. you for being such great hosts. Amazing event. We hope to see y'all next year.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.